I thought so too. <laughs> I want to remind you of next week's topic. The topic is why doesn't Lethbridge have a performing arts center, a vision for a cultural future. The speaker will be Don Lighty, so come on out for that topic. Uh, we have a microphone and we ask that you go to the microphone for your questions. We ask that you keep your comments fairly brief and that you keep your questions to one, please. Uh, so again, our topic today was um, vital signs. What was the rest of it? Taking the pulse so, sorry, taking the pulse in southwestern Alberta. So, <laughs> and our speaker is Charlene Davidson, executive director of the Community Foundation of Lethbridge in southwestern Alberta. So I'll ask Charlene to come forward and um, we'll take the first question. Thank you, Henny. Hi, are you? Now I'm on. Hi, I'm Henning Mundell. And could you outline a bit the procedure that the Community Foundation use, uses relating to the vital signs in terms of the granting of uh, grants towards the communities? Okay, so it's still a fairly new process with us being more proactive with our grants, and it's something we want to pursue in future, certainly with our upcoming strategic planning. But really it's about understanding the need in our community, understanding what the project is, what the project will do, and the impact of the project. Um, so a really good example of one vital community grant that we gave out was the Lethbridge Food Bank. I think I mentioned this in the presentation. They had applied for a small grant to our community priorities fund uh, to do this big renovation project and that the amount that they had requested wasn't going to do much. We knew that uh, food bank usage was rising so what we decided to do was give them a vital grant of $50,000, which they then leveraged to get $100,000. And that, to me, is just a win-win across the board for everyone. And with that, they've um, really fixed up their storage area, so they have more space. It's more streamlined when they process the food coming in. But they also, um, in the front of the food bank, Anytime they'd have to do an intake with a new client, they would have to do it right in the lobby. So there was absolutely no privacy or discretion. Now, with that grant that we gave them and the matching funds, they were able to build a private client intake room. So that's one of the ways we've used our um, vital signs. Thank you. Hi, my name is uh, Knut Peterson. Thank you very much for coming today. Thanks. Uh, my question relates to how do you make the decisions as to who uh, gets grants and stuff like that. That must be a daunting task. So some of our donors designate straight up front, I want to support this charity with my money in perpetuity. So as soon as they establish a fund with us, their money will always go towards that charity. Many of our donors have given what we call unrestricted funds. And that's really a huge blessing for us because we're allowed to give that money out as we feel appropriate. Um, and that allows us to adapt to the needs of today because we started 50 years ago. A lot of the needs that we have today, we didn't have 50 years ago. So if all of our money was restricted, we wouldn't be able to support our community the way that we do. So because we have so much unrestricted money, we have two calls for grants every year, spring and fall. Charities are welcome to apply to these um, calls for grants. You can only receive funding every two years because we get far more calls, more applicants than we have money. 
And then we have a committee, and the committee reviews all of the applicants. They have to meet criteria. So the first criteria is you must be registered with the Canadian Revenue Agency because that's us doing our diligence with the government. We're required to have that. Or it can go through a school board or a municipality. Once you've met one of those criteria, then your application comes in. We review it, the committee reviews it, and we just look at the need. It's hard. We like to see some sort of a commitment on whoever's requesting that money. We want to see some sort of a commitment on their end, whether it's matching funds, in-kind donations, something that they're working on. And again, that comes back to we can't pay for everything. We can't support it all. Uh, we also like diverse projects. What's new, what's exciting, one that I'm really excited that we uh, supported, and I know she's here today, is the Japanese Garden Light Winter Light Festival. I hope you've all seen it because it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and I think it's done great things for our community. And I know that that was the first time I read through the grant applications, and that was the one that really stood out for me and I was so excited about. So when, when we actually did uh, proceed with funding that, I was thrilled to see it happen. Um, but it's really the committee that makes the decision they take forward a recommendation to the board of directors and our board of directors has the ultimate um, approval authority. My name is Van Christou. Uh, thank you very much for being with us today and uh, we chatted around the table uh, about how uh, difficult it is for a citizen living in Lethbridge to know, uh, have really definitive information on many of the problems that you discussed, the, the, the people that you're helping uh, through the foundation. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Um, we also talked about the, the fact that the amount of good that's uh, being generated now from that fund that, uh, that donors have given so generously. Uh, have you any idea of how much their, the comparative cost would be if government were doing that same service in, in, uh, that the uh, foundation is doing now, what do you suppose that would cost us in taxes? I would absolutely love to make a government salary <laughs> as an executive director. I couldn't even begin to guess that. Um, I have worked for government previously. I do know there's always so much bureaucracy and so many layers to getting anything done. And in my experience, the right hand doesn't usually know what the left hand is doing. It's not like that for us. We have so many processes in place, and that comes from 50 years of experience where things have been streamlined. Our money, as I've said many times today, comes from our donors, and it's really important for us to respect that and to be really respectful um, with our donors' money and make sure we're fulfilling their wishes but not being extravagant with it. And I think that we do a really good job with that. Ultimately, I can't answer that question, sorry, but I think it would be significantly more. Yeah, I agree that it would be significantly more. Uh, yeah, and there's also the volunteerism cost because our committees, we have so many committees, our vital science committee, our board of directors is a committee, our grants committees who reviews all the applications uh, to make sure it's fair. And we always try to make sure we have representation from our region so that, and people are volunteering, they drive in, they spend their time reviewing all this for free. So it's all volunteer, thank you. Hello, my name is Bev Trainer. Uh, thank you very much for all the great information. I was quite shocked to see 
the figures for the number of students that don't complete high school. So I have a couple of questions that follow each other. How many Hutterite colonies do we have in south, southwestern Alberta? And are those students calculated in those figures? Because I'm thinking that it may skew those numbers, so I'm curious about that. I actually, sorry, do not know the answer to either of those. Um, the stats that we pulled would have come from the government, so I'm not sure if they would have included these um, schools on colonies. But that is a really good question. I can try and follow up with it. Hello, I'm Mary Shillington. Uh, thank you for your talk today. Uh, this Community Connections brochure that was in the, uh, in the paper, I guess, uh, we made sure we got some of those and circulated them with our church at uh, McKillop because uh, uh, these are kind of things that are important to our Justice, Peace, and Social Action Committee. Uh, but my question is, you talked about uh, people belonging and uh, being part of the community and that you had been involved as a uh, community foundation with uh, helping people who are disabled. So I'm involved with LARSH, LARSH Leftbridge. Uh, what can you give any kind of examples? Because I've often thought when I saw this, okay, what could LARSH uh, apply for that might be helpful for our community? And so what kinds of things have been done in the past for disabled people? All sorts of things. Everything from um, the one that comes to my mind immediately is the um, Transportation Society out of Claire's home. So making sure that they had a wheelchair accessible vehicle so that they could help transport people. Um, usually our our funds will go towards the organization for a project that they're working on. We don't support um, salary, we support a project. So if they were doing, and it could be anything from, we need resources, we need um, aids, wheelchair aids or other aids that will improve someone's quality of life, it could go towards something such as that. Um, we did just give a big grant to the Canadian Red Cross specifically to um, support their aid program that people can borrow and rent from. So those are the kind of things, but it would really depend on the project. I can't think of any other than the Claire's Home Transportation that come to mind immediately, but I would suggest you come in and chat with us because we're happy to talk to you about your project and see what your needs are. My name is Mark Gettle. I'm just wondering, you said that you had an endowment fund of about 25 million. So I'm just wondering how much on average does that generate a year for, for you to be able to give out the grants? So we give out about $700,000 a year in grants and that comes from both our priorities fund and the grants that are designated. Uh, we also have what we call field of interest grants. So um, someone says, you know, I don't know what exactly I wanna support, but I wanna support people living with disabilities. So if an application came in for, from your organization, LARSH, we would look at funding it from that. I was just looking at numbers yesterday and it's looking like, this might be a bit premature to say, but it looks like we've given out $800,000 this year in grants back to the community, which is really exciting. My, my name is Jim Moyer. Thank you for your presentation. Um, I'm on the f music festival committee. I think we had a grant for computers but one of the things that's so hard to get money is for operating funds. 
And I think you just said you don't give money for salaries. Why is it so hard to get money for operating? Because for us, it's not sustainable to give you that money uh, because you can only apply every other year. So if you were to use that money to hire an employee, what happens to that employee at the end of that term when your grant is up? Um, also, I think that the, dem the demand would far exceed what we actually have to give out. However, and I've, I've worked in the charity field for many years and I understand you need to be very creative and juggle your money, so maybe I can't pay for your employee, but I can pay for your computers, which frees up some other money that you can put towards your operating costs. Am I allowed a second question? Uh, Charlene, uh, could you explain a little bit about, uh, this is uh, Canada's uh, 150th year coming up, and I understand that you have been given some funds to spread around the community in that regard. Could you uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that? What the, what's, what's the priorities and what's, what are the requirements? That's a fantastic question, Knut. Thank you for asking that. January 19th, we are announcing our Canada 150 grant recipients. <laughs> right now we have six, uh, and we're opening up a second call for a second round of funding. So this is money that has come down from the Community Foundations of Canada, and it's a partnership with our foundation, so we are matching the contribution they gave to us. Anyone who applies to that fund needs to match their request. So if you're asking for $15,000, which is the maximum, you need to be prepared to match that either with cash or in-kind donations. Uh, the criteria, the first criteria, is that it needs to be about Canada 150, and it's about understanding our history, the people who have built this nation, inspiring a greater understanding. It's about um, taking down fences and getting to know your neighbors. Um, inspiring an understanding of Canada, promoting that sense of belonging, and celebrating Canada 150 and what it means to be Canada or Canadian in Canada in 2017, which I wasn't here for the 100th anniversary of Canadian Confederation, but I think our Canada today is extremely different than it was 50 years ago. Hi, <clears throat> Bev Mundell-Atherstone. Thank you very much for coming here and for your talk. Um, this also is uh, SACPA's 50th anniversary year. Oh, congratulations. Yes, thank you. I really like the, uh, your brief video that you presented to us, too. Very thank nice. Um, my question has to do with funding of agencies that are, funding of NGOs that are here that <clears throat> may be part of a, a larger network. Uh, and I'm thinking of uh, CMHA, Canadian Mental Health Association, or the Schizophrenia Society. So Canadian Mental Health Association, of course, is federal, but it's here. Mm -hmm. And the Schizophrenia Society of um, SSA of Alberta is the Lethbridge chapter, but it's, in, it's an Alberta-wide thing. Um, so if something like either of those has a program that they would like to be able to put on for mental health, is that something that could they apply to you, to the foundation? And um, um, but so that's one question. And the second question is you talked about the, the CO2 coming off the people, the cars that are idling. Um, 
are you thinking, would, would you support someone like the Environment Lethbridge to come ahead and, uh, and come up with the idea of maybe signs, don't idle, let you know, so many tons of CO2 come out of your, your car? Uh, I'm just wondering, how, how does that um, um, goal get implemented in society? So those are my two questions. Thank okay, you. so the first question is, um, yes, the CMHA and also the Schizophrenia Society could apply to us here, and we have supported, I know for sure, the CMHA. I'm assuming we've probably supported schizophrenia, but it all depends on whether or not they've applied. Um, as far as the CO2, I don't know if we would promote signs so much. If they had a, a project, we would probably get behind that. Again, it would depend on what the project looks like. But part of the issue isn't about supporting the charity, it's about creating that awareness. So I know I'm as guilty as everyone else for idling my car this last two weeks because it's been so cold and you have to warm your car up, right? But I walk to work most days. So that's my contribution to reducing CO2 layers. So not everyone has that luxury, but it's about what you can do to make a difference. It doesn't have to be a dollar figure attached to it. It doesn't have to be Environment Lethbridge doing something. In that particular example, every person here, ride your bike, walk a little more, or don't leave the car running when you run into the gas station. Those little things. Yeah, and uh, sorry, um, again, just coming back to anyone applying must have um, CRA, be a registered charity with CRA or come through the mun municipality or a school district. Um, Austin Fennell. I have a couple of questions. Your kind of organization sometimes faces an issue that's difficult to resolve. So for example, if um, the cause that the money has been donated for no longer exists, what do you do with that money? So all of our fund agreements actually stipulate in them that if this um, cause no longer exists, I always use the crazy cat lady at, uh, society as an example. So if that no longer exists, there's a clause in your contract with us that says that we would look for the next similar organization to try and make sure your wishes are still being fulfilled. There's also a statement in our fund agreement that our board of directors does have the ultimate um, authority over that fund, and that's something through the Canadian Revenue Agency. Well, you certainly faced a difficult issue with that one. <laughs> the, um, the other one has to do with what if the money that's been donated runs out? It's, it's all invested. We keep endowment funds, so we actually only spend our interest earned. And we're always looking for new donors. <laughs> <coughs> Terry Shellington, thank you very much for uh, all you presented. Uh, you, you presented some uh, statistics on domestic violence and, and what you called interpersonal violence, and I'm, I'm not sure I quite get the difference. But, but anyway, they're always striking when we hear those. Uh, but it wasn't clear to me what you had done uh, as a funding group uh, to, to deal with that um, cancer in our, in our society? So not everything that, ha that we've presented we've actually dealt with. So the first thing we do is try and generate some awareness and get a conversation started, which is what this is all about. Uh, we have certainly, though, supported uh, Safe Haven Women's Shelter. We've supported um, Harbor House with various grants over the years, other shelters throughout the region. We're looking at that as a potential proactive grant. What can we do? One of the barriers that we face is we are a regional organization with shelters across our region. 
So do we give them each $50,000 to do something, but that would probably exclude giving out grants to the rest of the community for that year? Or is there some way we can try and maybe come up with a program that this group does and we support that program and they're all eligible to participate? I don't know, we don't have a simple solution to that, but our first goal was to get a conversation started. I think it's really important to point out too that we're not the only ones supporting these charities. So maybe by raising awareness, other people, I know that when we published Vital Signs right away, somebody dropped off a donation for us. And I thought that's fantastic. Maybe other organizations um, that we feature in Vital Signs also receive donations. Uh, Mary Shillington again. Um, around the family violence, uh, I assume you probably had some requests from different organizations like Lethbridge Family Services, for instance, who have run uh, programs mm -hmm. for abusive people, people who have abused others, uh, because we can do rescuing of the women, and that's very essential in the children, but until we address the issue of the family violence and the backgrounds to that, we won't change the issues. And uh, so what's happened with that kind of thing? I think that's a really good point because um, shelters, unfortunately, that's a temporary Band-Aid on a really big wound, and until we can address that wound or that virus, we're going to always need that Band-Aid, right? We're always going to need that. Um, I've been with the foundation just over, not even a full year actually. I'm not sure what we've done with programs with Lethbridge Family Services. I know we've done, I know we've done lots of work with Lethbridge Family Services and also with uh, Family Center around programs. Uh, I think we uh, participated with or supported their D Daddy and Me program, which is about fathers working more with their kids and spending more time together. So it's really about the organizations, the programs they have, the feasibility of them, and how we can support that, and making sure we know about them, whether that's them coming to us to request funding, or us learning about them somehow, and having a conversation with them about how we can support it. Can I have a second question? <coughs> Bev Mundell-Athers, Donegan. Um, this kind of follows on Mary's question, and I really laud your, your um, uh, overall umbrella of belonging. Uh, it's that that interconnection is that inter interweaving of people that makes our society um, uh, so much more um, a structure in which people feel safe to, uh, to exist. So uh, just following up on that and what Mary was saying, are you familiar with the Mutart Foundation in Edmonton? And the reason I, I, I'm asking is because um, it seems to me their, their purpose when they give out funding is to help the different groups within the society to collaborate and work together and uh, exactly what Mary was talking about with the, the domestic violence to look more at how can we resolve some of the issues that are causing the wound rather than putting on the band-aid. Um, I know the Mutart Foundation is, is quite restrictive, more restrictive than, it, than yours is, but it seems to, to try to encourage groups to work together and I wonder about that model as uh, as a way to give bigger grants and to work on uh, harder issues. Oh, so the first one, I'm a little familiar with them, um, not overly. Uh, Edmonton does also have its own community foundation. We always, always encourage collaboration. Partnerships are fantastic. And again, that just really comes back to, it comes back to a couple of things. It comes back to, we can't give everyone money, but if a couple groups come together with a great project, we can support that project 
and in a way we are giving everyone money, right? Because we're helping more with that project because it's collaborative. Uh, and again, it, it does show the community buy-in and the community support and, and community in itself by working together and promoting that sense of belonging. So that's actually a really good question and it definitely is something we look for in our applications. Uh, it's pretty, pretty unprecedented that a person asks three questions in one session, I think. But <coughs> for, for interest take, uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about community foundations, uh, even though Southwest, the one in Lethbridge and Southwestern Alberta is unique. It's not unique in the big picture. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on across Canada? And because there's many other community foundations, right? Yes. There are 191 community foundations across Canada. There's an organization called the Community Foundations of Canada. So all foundations are independent and autonomous. The Community Foundations of Canada is sort of the umbrella organization. We don't report to it, we're not dependent upon it, but we do work together with them. Um, and they've they've received some large donations that have come down to the smaller ones, such as the Syrian Refugee Welcome Fund, such as the Canada 150 um, Fund, and then they filter that down. They also do a lot of professional development, so they have a conference coming up in May for foundations. When I first started, they had a peer gathering because they had, um, sorry, a rookie retreat, they called it, because it's so many new people coming into the foundation movement, and it was fantastic because you got to meet um, some of your colleagues from across the country, uh, they do a peer gathering once a year for um, executive directors to meet and to talk to each other. So we have a couple different levels depending on how much money your foundation has. So Calgary Foundation has like $800 million invested. We're not peers with them, even though they help us if we need them. So it's a good network. We have um, an executive director listserv, so you can send out a question about something because as someone who's new, there's someone in the, in the foundation movement who's probably already been through something that I've needed to ask. And so I can send out an email and different people will respond with what they do at their foundation. So it's a great opportunity for that. And that's how we learn what different people are doing across the country. But right now, the big focus is Canada 150. All right, and so with that, record of three questions by one person. I would like to thank you all for coming today. Thank you, Charlene, for your excellent talk, for all that information, and for answering the questions so well. Look